This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, I'm pleased to have Kelly Keene. She's a personal finance educator, sought-after speaker, media personality, and consumer advocate. She's also an award-winning, best-selling author of over 10 books covering topics ranging from personal finance, the psychology of money, behavioral economics, women in finance, and avoiding identity theft and fraud. Kelly Keene, welcome to the show. Great to be back with you, Nancy. Thanks for having me. It is so great to have you back. And, and you know, you really do have an impressive bio. And for listeners who aren't familiar with your work, Kelly, can you share a bit more about your background and how you got started in the world of finance? Sure, yeah. Um, well, I was in the financial industry for 12 years, and I served, uh, you know, high net worth investors. And, Nancy, I, I came from a background of a single mom raising three kids, uh, you know, uh, didn't have an education, so... She was a waitress and a dishwasher to support us. And um, I, I, you know, we lived in, in a really tight time. And um, I had some very, very wealthy uncles. So I, I grew up in this kind of uh, paradoxical world of living in poverty and seeing what wealth looked like. So I think I was destined to be in the financial industry. So spent 12 years uh, doing that. And, you know, uh, my clients were actually really messed up. I, I know you know this. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to wealth and, and what we think people are worth. And, Absolutely. you know, I had, yeah, I had some clients. I had one client worth over $50 million who literally wouldn't turn his heat up in the wintertime and would burst his pipes and wouldn't spend a cent on himself because he grew up in the Depression. And then on the, the opposite side, the antithesis, I had the surgeon who, you know, had three divorces and just as many Mercedes sports cars and was making a million dollars a year and and was $5 million in debt. So I thought, my goodness, there has to be some middle ground here. And I started to study the the psychology of money, of course, not as a psychologist, that's not my background, but somebody that sat across the desk from clients. And, And then I left the financial industry 17, 18 years ago to pursue writing and researching and speaking about um, you know, how do we have a better relationship with money? So uh, that's what I've been doing for the last 17 years. I don't sell any products. I'm not a, a financial coach or anything of that sort. I work with large corporations and, and, and serve on a number of government committees. But that's why I love talking with you so much, because we can really dispel a lot of these myths. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's still so much shame and embarrassment when it comes to financial issues. And, and we're kind of stuck back in like the 1960s where we were with health issues, right? You would whisper the word cancer and, and it was like shameful and embarrassing. And now today, you, you know, you put it on Facebook and you have a group that we run for the cure and, and we talk about mental health issues and, 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 and personal um, issues, but we don't talk about financial issues which also we know the research shows causes a lot of health issues, can lead to mental health issues. So um, love having this conversation with you. 
Yeah, no, it's always great to, to do that, right? And we try to do that on the show all the time, Kelly, right? As you're aware, talk about things that, you know, to try to get people talking more about their finances and, and get them to understand that there is nothing to be ashamed of. And if you talk to your circle of friends and family, you're almost guaranteed to find a couple of other people in your circle that are experiencing financial difficulty or, or are not sure where to turn or how to turn things around when it comes to their finances. And we know right now, of course, that there's so much economic uncertainty, right, between inflation, uh, you know, that continues to, to rise and, and leaving so many people struggling. We've got interest rates going up. We're expecting another increase um, in October. We've seen several surveys recently that show the mounting financial strain that so many are experiencing. And many are describing their financial situation as either poor or very poor. And many are feeling like they're just merely surviving at this point. So what's your response to this? Because the surveys certainly do paint a bit of a bleak picture. Yeah, they really do. And, um, you know, there was a lot of these surveys before COVID, during COVID, and now post-COVID. So many people have had to deplete their emergency savings accounts and really didn't even get a chance to, um, you know, get back on the saddle. Like, they didn't have any time to replenish these accounts, maybe pay down debt, and boom, we kind of have the unthinkable. We have what all the experts said. My friends on Bay Street, Wall Street, even Tiff Macklin, the head of the Bank of Canada, said in his July 2020 speech, interest rates are low. They're going to remain low. Well, look where we are today, right? What everyone said couldn't happen, that Canadians couldn't afford for rates to go up. Governments couldn't afford for interest rates to go up because of how much debt they have. Uh, yet here we are. Uh, so I think the thing, the most important thing, Nancy, is you can't hit the snooze button on your finances. There is always something that you can do. You know this. You know with your clients that you probably always wish they had come to see you sooner, that they had taken some action sooner. But it's hard. I, I, I get it. It's, it's really hard when you're financially stressed. You cannot see the possibilities out there. So I just hope your listeners take away the message today that there are possibilities. There's ways to find more money, and we can talk about that. There's ways to spend more responsibly. There's ways to still balance out your life while you're getting through these very expensive times and find more slack in your budget. But uh, the bank isn't going to call you and tell you how to do that. People aren't going to call you up and say, hey, um, I, I mean, you and I are trying with, you know, your radio show, with social media, we're trying to get people's attention to say, look, there are things that you can do, but, you know, you have to take that action. Absolutely. And, and you're right. Like I always tell people the hardest part about getting help is making the call to do so. Right. Mm -hmm. Like once you've made that call and you start having the conversation to know what the options are available to you, everything gets easier from there. Right. So exactly. um, just making that decision is, is always the hardest part for people. But we know, as we said, that everyone is really not everyone, I guess, but a large majority, more more than majority um, of Canadians right now are struggling financially and finding money really tight. And many are turning to debt as a solution. And that is concerning. Right. We're seeing right now that Canadians are going deeper into debt. The current household debt ratio sits at a dollar eighty two, uh, which means for every dollar that Canadians are earning, they owe a dollar eighty two. Mm 
And according to the most recent Equifax Canada Market Pulse quarterly credit trends report, Canadians who are struggling financially, trying to keep up with the cost of living, are turning to credit and debt to make ends meet. Over the last quarter, credit card balances rose to the highest level since Q4 of 2019. So that's pre-pandemic, of course. And Equifax is also reporting delinquencies are starting to rise as Canadians are struggling to meet their monthly commitments. The latest numbers from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy show many are reaching their financial tipping point. In the second quarter of this year, consumer insolvency rose to the highest level since the start of the pandemic. Again, concerning statistics, Kelly, so let's talk about them. And, and how alarming is it to see that Canadians are turning to credit and debt to cover you know, just their cost of living right now? Yeah, it, it's absolutely alarming, Nancy, And but it's understandable. I mean, you know, where else are you going to turn to when food prices this month, you know, were still up 10.8% over last month? Like gas prices have eased, eased a little bit depending on, on what province you're in. But yeah, it's, 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 it's incredibly concerning. So, I mean, there are some new options, of course, the pandemic and because of the economy that we're in, some new options have popped up that I like. Uh, for example, Square integrated recently with uh, Afterpay uh, to introduce buy now, pay later to their e-commerce customers. So what that means is, you know, let's say you've depleted your emergency savings account or, um, you know, you need a new washer, you need a new dryer, or you just are, are, are trying to figure out your budget and spread out your payments. You can do that with, you know, four easy, no interest payments. And actually, it's interesting because um, they're survey reveals that 90% of people that use buy now pay later actually link up their debit card to make those payments. So it's, you know, there are ways that you can still buy that you can, uh, you know, spread out those payments, not throw it on a, on a high interest rate credit card and also, you know, manage your cash flow and, 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 and use these tools to help you budget and help you pay for things that, that you probably need. So I, I, I think that I love seeing that innovation and, and how that can help a lot of Canadians out. No, absolutely. And of course, Kelly, as bleak as many of these survey results are, it is important to know that there's solutions out there, right? Steps that you can take take to safeguard your financial well-being during these really uncertain times after paving one of those solutions right if, if there's something that you really need and to your point putting it on a 20 or 25 percent interest rate credit card is not the right approach you need to explore some of these uh, these other options if it's something that you need to have so kelly has some more advice for you straight ahead please stay with us join brian medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels newsmakers weather and more Join us on your VOCM at noon. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is personal finance educator, speaker, media personality, consumer advocate, and award-winning author, Kelly Keene. So, Kelly, today's focus, you know, we're really talking about the ongoing financial stress that Canadians are feeling, including, of course, many Newfoundland and Labradorians that are listening today. We know from several surveys, some of which we discussed in our opening segment, that many are living with tight household budgets right now. And those budgets are likely to even get tighter as interest rates increase. We mentioned that we've had several this year, you know, since March, we've seen five rate hikes, with the key lending rate increasing three full percentage points. We also know, of course, that the Bank of Canada isn't finished. 
Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklin has warned Canadians further increases are coming. And as I mentioned, we're, we're likely to see another one this October. So, Kelly, this may mean even tighter financial times for so many households out there. So I want to focus now on some advice for, for listeners what they can be doing to lessen their financial strain. We know looking at your household budget is a great starting point, right? And you don't know how you can change things, really, unless you do know what you have coming in and what you have going out. And the latest Canadian Financial Capability Survey conducted by the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, only 49% of Canadians report having a household budget. So I know, Kelly, that you really don't believe in having a budget per se. You say they're too restrictive, but you recommend tracking spending. So let's talk about this. How should listeners be tracking their spending and how often should they be doing it? Weekly, monthly, quarterly? What's your advice there? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I should say I'm not against budgets for those, you know, your, of your listeners that have a budget, that love budgeting, Excel spreadsheets, excite them, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. But for a lot of people, they just get really intimidated by budgets. They feel like they're diet. And then, you know, sometimes that, that, that scarcity mindset has them, you know, just Binge later on, right? Just like we do with food when when it's held uh, held from us. So, you know, in in my books, I talk about and have worked with my readers for for many years. Something I call the thirty day anti budget, and it's very simple. It's an exercise in awareness and behavioral change. So, what you do is for thirty days, once or twice a year, and I do this with my husband. You just track all of your spending. Now, if you bank with one bank and have one credit card and one debit card with them, they're going to do a lot of that tracking for you. So you can do it old school, go to the dollar store, get yourself a little journal and write down all of your spending, or you can just let your bank do that tracking for you. Now, I have to say, Nancy, when people tell me that they do it old school and they actually write down what they spend, that alone helps them be so much more mindful of their money, where their money's going, and helps them connect more deeply with it because, you know, I don't know about you, but it's hard to keep track. Like if you order Uber Eats and you hop in a list and you have your automatic payment go through for your house and auto insurance, there's a lot of times you're not even seeing financial transactions going on. So I think it's really important to connect with where our money is going for 30 days, at least once a year. So that's the first thing you track your spending. Then you figure out what are the categories for your family entertainment, dining out, uh, activities for the kids, whatever it is. And then you take those categories and you multiply what you spent in 30 days by 12 to give you a yearly figure. Now, why you want to do this is because retailers are counting on us to just look at what we're spending per day, per month. And, and then when you see, oh my goodness, uh, and by the way, this is an actual stat, I, I find it shocking um, that Canadians, on average, are spending $273 a month on subscriptions. That's over $3,000 a year. Now, no finger wagging here. I've got tons of subscriptions that I signed up for during COVID that I'm, I'm trying to track down. It's actually really hard to track down some of these and cancel them. You know, you signed up, they're only $2.99 a month or $6.99. You don't know what credit card you put them on. So it just allows you to connect with and see, wow, uh, so $3,000 a year, that could be an RSP contribution. That could be debt repayment, or it could just be fun money. So it, you, you get the opportunity to look at where's your money going. And it's not about sacrifice. It's about choice and awareness. 
Did you realize that it was going where you thought it was? Do you and your family want to make some different choices? And I just think it's a fun and empowering way to, to connect deeper with your, your money. Well, absolutely. And to your point, Kelly, if you have, you know, your debit card, a credit card or two that you've signed up for various things, right? Whether it's the afterpays we talked about earlier, subscription services, you've got automatic bill payments coming out for cell phones, insurance, all that kind of stuff. It is hard to keep track of it because it's coming yeah. from multiple sources and it's automatic. So you're not you're not really thinking about the payment or when you have to make the payment. So it's, it does make it harder to track. But to your point, to have that many, have Canadians spending that much on subscription services that they may not be aware of the extent because they are $2 here, $3 there, $10, you know, somewhere else sort of thing. So it is important to track so you can get a handle on where you can cut back. And we know from the Angus Reid survey that four in five are saying that they have cut spending in recent months. And 64% of people in Atlantic Canada say they've done it by trimming their discretionary budget. So maybe, you know, it, it, this financial uncertainty really has had people revisiting where their spending is and, and tracking it and trying to make some adjustments. But Kelly, I also know that when it comes to reducing spending, you really recommend shopping smart. So can you share with what you mean by that with our listeners and, and what are your recommendations for shopping smart? Yeah. I mean, again, it comes back to that mindfulness. It's about, you know, having a plan before you shop. I mean, I love shopping, so I have to try all of this on myself and make sure that it works before I espouse it. So, you know, some of the things are like having some rules in place. If let's say my husband and I have an agreement and, you know, we sit down every couple of months and we list all of our needs and wants, like what is it that we need to spend money on? Maybe we've got some car repairs or the furnace needs to be replaced or what have you. And then what are our wants? And then, you know, we obviously can't have all of what we want. So then we start to prioritize what it is that, that each individually and as a couple and as a family, we're going to, uh, you know, go after. And then, you know, we have some individual checks and balances. So for example, if one of us is going to spend on a want and it's over say $50, we have like a cooling out period of 24 hours. And I have to tell you that's super, super helpful when you're shopping online because it's really easy to kind of, um, you know, just use retail therapy to kind of get through tough times. And also another, I think, really important part too, Nancy, is to unlink. This is, of course, if you're trying to save money, this isn't for everyone. Some people are doing fine with their finances, but if you're trying to save money, is unlink your credit card from your retailers. Let's say Amazon, you've got the one-click pay or other retailers that you go to all the time. Unlink that. So, if you make a purchase, you physically have to get up and go and get your credit card. That sometimes can be enough to say, whoa, do I really need that? Um, or is that just a want? Or am I buying it just to satisfy some itch that that product really isn't going to do? So, you know, some other things, too, um, if you're trying to cut that, is really like unsubscribing from newsletters, unsubscribing from, um, you know, maybe just not checking your your social media as much. I have to tell you, Nancy, every single time I go on Instagram and I don't a lot, but my goodness, their algorithms know me to a T. <laughs> they know the <laughs> shoes I want. They know the workout clothes I want. Um, it is actually insanely accurate how they're targeting advertising to me when I log on to my account. 
um, every single ad that pops up is something I truly want. So I find that I got to stay off of Instagram if I'm trying to save money that much. Yeah, no, and it's true. There's so many different, I mean, my, my inbox is, is no different than anyone else's, right? It gets flooded with all these offers and, you know, sales from websites that I've visited in the past. To your point, right, they, they know what I like and, and they're sending it to me. So to the extent that you can unsubscribe from that, it kind of takes the temptation away, right? Because yeah. we know that there there still is... Um, a little bit of spending going on because of the pent up, I guess, frustration and demand that people felt through the pandemic. So trying to relieve yourself of some of that uh, is a good option for sure. And I guess, Kelly, to your point, whether you're using a household budget or just tracking your spending, both are going to help you avoid debt, right? Because you're going to know where you are with your spending, what your income is coming in and, and where you sit. And we talked earlier that, you know, debt right now is on the rise. So what advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to managing debt during this time? How important is it for them to be stress testing their debt? And and how do they go about this? Yeah, so I think there's three important points I want to hit here is number one, looking at your debt. Number two is, you know, looking at where there's free money and looking at where you can bring in more income, because I don't think we have that conversation enough. It's always about cutting. So first, Look at your debt. If you are sitting, let's say you've got a $10,000 balance on your credit card and your interest rate is 24% and you just make the minimum payment, you don't put any new purchases on there. I, I love the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. They have some great calculators on their website. So I, I headed to their website the other day. If you made no new purchases, just made the minimum payment, $10,000 balance, you would pay over 6000 I think it was $6,600 in interest. Now, wow. if you called up your bank and you got into a lower rate credit card, you did nothing else. You didn't make any more payments, still just made the minimum payment, but got into a credit card with a 12% interest rate, you would save over $4,000. Like that is so huge. And we were talking about that financial stress. And I think that's why people just don't do anything because they're just like, oh, well, whatever. I'll just make my minimum payment. And they don't even realize that there's options. So that's number one is really looking at your debt, obviously contacting someone like you if they can't handle their debt. Number two is looking for free money. Like I, I, I was so pleasantly surprised when the CRA was contacting millions of people this summer saying, hey, you could have an uncashed check from the CRA. They're trying to give you your money back and you can just log on to your account and see if there's actually money there for you. And Speaking of the CRA, I also discovered a company called Family Tax Recovery. What they do, we are the only country in the world where you can go back 10 years on your tax return. And, you know, corporations have been doing this forever, but who has the money to hire an accountant to go and see if you missed benefits or credits or if the tax laws changed? Well, this company uses smart AI and technology to actually go through your past tax returns, see if there was anything missed. And the best part is, is they don't charge you anything unless you get a refund. And then very lastly, Nancy, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've been talking a lot in media about this trend called quiet quitting, you know, where people actually aren't quitting, but they're, they're kind of checking out at work. And I think a great way to revitalize how you're feeling about your work and your finances is a side hustle. 32% of Canadians during the pandemic actually had a side hustle. And, you know, it's never been easier than ever to start a business. I was talking to you in the, the last segment 
Um, you know, Square has this integration now with Afterpay for buy now, pay later. And, you know, I wish I had all these resources when I started out. It was really hard to get merchant services, like to offer a credit card payment to your customers. Now you can start an online business. I don't know. You know, you've got a holistic pet food store or, or uh, you're selling your jewelry, like you know, really engaging with ways that you can bring in more income with something that juices you up and gets you excited, even if it's just a few hundred dollars a month, that might mean you don't have to cut. That might mean you and your family can go on a vacation this holiday season. So, you know, looking at your debt, seeing if there's free money out there, and then considering uh, something that you love doing and how it can actually bring money into your life. Some great advice, Kelly. And we know even in these hard times, it is important to look at your savings and look at wait, look at ways to your point that you can increase your income. So we're going to talk a bit about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Joining me today is personal finance educator, speaker, media personality, consumer advocate, and award-winning author, Kelly Keen. So Kelly, you've had some great advice for our listeners uh, so far on the show. And I know on your website, one recommendation you made to Canadians is bulking up your emergency savings. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, many people depleted their emergency savings over the course of the pandemic. And according to a recent CPA Canada survey, only a little over half at 54% of Canadians actually have an emergency fund right now. Half at 50% say they would not be able to come up with $2,500 in a pinch. Two in five at 38% can't come up with $1,000. And 26% cannot come up with $500 during an emergency without borrowing or selling something. So what do you think about these results and, and what advice do you have to Canadians when it comes to bulking up your emergency savings? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're shocking numbers indeed, Nancy, but not surprising. I mean, so many people struggled during the pandemic. Businesses, you know, closed. They were um, laid off. So getting back on your feet takes time. And experts will say, you know, you need three to six months of your salary in a safe account. Well, that can be a lot of money for a lot of people, and it can seem overwhelming. So I think you start small. And, you know, just try to have a little bit of a buffer. Like you said in that survey, if it's 500 if it's $2,000. And then also maybe actually having some of that in cash, right? Like look at the storms out east or, or the kind of weather that we're having and blackouts and not being able to access your cash or the Rogers outage. So I think it also underscores the importance of talking with your family and how much cash should you have on hand for an emergency. We rarely have those conversations. So, you know, where can you find some of this money? Well, before the break, we talked about, you know, going back on your taxes, seeing if there's money with CRA. If you haven't filed your taxes recently, and it's estimated that 10 to 12% of Canadians have not uh, in the last couple of years, you, you know, you may be missing out on a tax refund. You may be missing out on benefits or, or credits, excuse me, um, you know, from GST or from the, the Canada um, Child Tax Credit. So, Another really great way, too, to try to buffer your emergency savings, try to, you know, fluff those financial cushions back up, if you will, is a pay yourself at work program, pay yourself first program. So check with your HR department. And what I love about these programs is 
Your employer is going to take that money right off your paycheck so you don't see it and, you know, tuck it into whatever they have for options. Maybe it's a TFSA or RSP. Obviously, you don't want to put your emergency savings in an RSP because you're taxed if you take it out. But, um, you know, that's a great, great way to, you know, use that for savings, help you save so you don't even see the money coming in. Um, and then as we talked as well before the break, you know, looking at your debt, seeing if you can slash those interest rates, seeing what you can do with your 30-day anti-budget to find more money to, you know, pay down your debt and, and um, build that, that emergency savings up. It just is going to help you sleep at night and, as you said, help you avoid throwing something on a high interest rate credit card if and when something comes up um, for sure. No, absolutely. And a couple of points you made there are so important, Kelly, right? So oftentimes people think if they don't owe any tax or they, they're not going to get a refund, there's no reason for them to worry about filing their taxes. But child tax benefit, GST credits, all these things that are money in your pocket, you will not receive unless you have filed your taxes up to date. So always so important, regardless of the situation, to make sure that your, your taxes are filed so that you can access these benefits. The other thing that you mentioned there, Kelly, was around, you know, having the money come out of your paycheck automatically to go into a, a TFSA so that you can can easily access it. But a lot of banks today, most banks I would think today, also have that sort of auto savings that you can transfer money directly from your checking account to a savings account. And you can set it up so that it's the same day your pay goes into your bank account. So again, as soon as your pay hits, there's an amount that gets transferred over. There's other uh, things that banks have now too where you can um, increase increase the amount of any purchase to the next dollar amount and put that amount in your savings. So as an example, if you're making a purchase that's $15.50, you can say, take that 50 cents, round it up and, and transfer it to my savings account. So talk with your bank and see what options you do have around that auto save. It may seem like small amounts, but you need to start somewhere and all those small amounts do add up over time. So Kelly, we did talk about uh, in the last segment a little bit about looking for ways to increase your income. And the Direct Sellers Association of Canada did a recent survey that showed two in five Canadians have pursued opportunities in the past to make additional income. That's up 11%. And inflationary concerns are now driving almost two in three Canadians at 64% to consider pursuing ways to supplement their income. That's up 7% from last year. The largest demographic considering this is those in the range of 18 to 44 years old. So individuals who are employed on a part-time basis and, and students. So we've talked a little bit, Kelly, about the gig economy and, and side hustles and, and all those things, but are there ways that listeners can increase their income um, in doing these things that they may not be thinking about? Like some people may think, well, my gosh, starting a side hustle or starting a part-time business is, seems like a big hill to climb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, it's not like it really is easier than ever. There's so many resources online, uh, you know, and a lot of people think, oh, you're going to have to get a business license. You're going to have to incorporate your that's That's not necessarily true. Like I know so many people that um, are, are, you know, they're consulting. Maybe they're a great writer and they're just working with a few clients, uh, you know, writing their newsletter or some articles for them. Like there are countless ways. Maybe you have some expertise and can offer a virtual event and promote it through your social channels and charge $25 a person. And, and, you know, actually some real life examples, 
during the pandemic, uh, one of my readers wrote me saying that, you know, he noticed that even though everyone was home, people didn't want to walk their dogs. And a lot of people caught dogs during the pandemic. So he started a dog walking service. He's so successful right now. He's bringing in over $150,000 a year. He actually has to hire some other dog walkers and help him out. Another uh, woman that wrote in to me, she's actually in her 80s and she's on a fixed income, but she's super healthy. And she has a big home that she's having a hard time affording. She put up a little notice at her church that if any other older residents needed some assistance, and, you know, so she found a couple of people where she pops into their house once or twice a day, helps prepare a couple of meals, does a little bit of light cleaning. She loves that anyway, keeps her active and engaged. And she's making over $2,500 a month doing that. And she's in her 80s. So, you know, wow. there's like, it's just getting creative and seeing like, what is there a need out there? What do you enjoy? What would be fun? And, and how, you know, how can you actually make money from it? You don't always have to put in a lot of money or make it a big investment. There's, there's, you know, so many options and so many resources available for you. No, absolutely. And that's the thing, right? It's creativity and, and thinking a little outside the box, but even just like you said, thinking about what is something that I'm good at that maybe someone else could use. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those, those cooking of meals is, is a great example, right? There's many home cooks out there. Um, many people who don't have time, right. To, to make mm-hmm. meals if they have a busy family life, that kind of thing. There's all kinds of meal services you can subscribe to today. Why not make that something in your local community that you're, you're doing for people. So lots of great ideas there. Well, Kelly has a lot more great advice for, for listeners out there. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I've got Kelly Keen with me today. She's a personal finance educator, speaker, media personality, consumer advocate, and of course, award-winning author. And Kelly's been sharing some expert advice with us today on managing your finances during this high time of inflation and, of course, rising interest rates. We know there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now. We've been talking about it now for, for weeks on the show, and it's creating a great deal of anxiety for many people out there. In fact, a recent survey by CPA Canada shows that money-related stress remains high, with two-thirds at 65% of Canadians admitting they worry about money. One in four Canadians at 27% feel worse off financially than they did a year ago. And just over one in three at 34% are optimistic they'll be better off financially a year from now. This means that, of course, 66% of Canadians are not optimistic about their financial future. So, Kelly, let's talk about these results. I mean, 66% of people not feeling optimistic about their finances, 65% worrying about money. Those are high numbers. Yeah, those are really high numbers. And what worries me about that, Nancy, is that, you know, when people don't feel optimistic, they also don't feel hopeful. And then they oftentimes fall into apathy. And here's the thing. If you want to go from apathy, especially if it's financial apathy, to financial resilience, for example, there's a lot of feelings in between you're going to have to feel. Maybe not for a long time, but... If you really look at your finances and you're really not in a great situation, you're going to have to move through frustration, upset, anger, a lot of emotions that quite honestly, we just don't want to feel, you know, so we just kind of stay in apathy, inertia takes place. We, you know, 
Netflix and chill, have a glass of wine or a beer and just hope that it all goes away. But I'm here to say, you know, if you can be brave enough and strong enough to move through some of those emotions, you can get to apathy or excuse me, can get out of apathy and get to resilience, but you're going to have to take the time and effort to actually look at your situation and what you can do. And it really is, um, you know, about self-efficacy. Like if I don't think going to the gym is going to make a difference, if I really don't think those sit-ups or eating the salad is going to change my health, I'm I'm not going to do it or I'm going to do it once in a while. So I think knowing that all these little things you were talking before the break about, you know, automatic savings with your bank or with your employer or just rounding up the purchases that you make and having it go into a separate account, like seems like nothing, but all of a sudden six months later, you look and you're like, wow, there's a few hundred dollars there. At the end of the year, there might be a few thousand dollars there. And wow, that credit card is getting paid off and your credit score is going up and you are finding the money. Like it does take time and it takes attention But what I want to say is that, you know, if you're willing to be brave and and get out of that inertia, um, you really can build back that financial confidence. And I I think it doesn't matter if times are good or times are bad, if we're going to end a recession or not. People are always having challenges with their finances, and there are always opportunities as well to, you know, get closer to financial resiliency. I love that. And, you know, that financial resiliency, I just love that phraseology. We had um, Chuck Grace from Canada's Financial Wellness Lab on a couple of weeks ago, and he was using the same terminology, right? Mm. Like financial Mm -hmm. resiliency. And and that really resonates, I think, Kelly, with people here in Newfoundland and Labrador, because we've always said that we're such a resilient people, Mm -hmm. right? Knock us down, throw this and that at us, um, as we have uh, over the years here in Newfoundland and Labrador, whether it's, you know, industry or economic economic uncertainty, um, but we're very, very resilient. And so I think that terminology will resonate. And uh, I think it's important that people who are feeling anxious or feeling that apathy and aren't sure where to turn, like we said earlier in the show, just being brave about doing something about it, whether that's reviewing your expenses, you know, tracking your spending, like we were talking about earlier, making some phone calls to see if you can get a reduction on your interest rates or reaching out to a professional like myself or, you know, a reputable credit counseling uh, agency to, to see what some options would be can help relieve that stress and get you on the path to uh, that financial resiliency. So we know that, you know, despite the economic uncertainty and the things that are happening now, people are at different points in their lives. And I want to touch on a few questions now for you that are based on some stories and news coverage that we're seeing in the media. We know that many are still uh, hoping to enter the housing market and looking for that dream home. Is now the time to buy? And and what should listeners who are considering purchasing a home be weighing right now? Yeah, I mean, it's always a tough question. Is now the time to buy? I think it's always more important to ask, is it the time to buy for you? And, you know, is home ownership right for you? Are you the type of person that has the type of job, has the type of lifestyle that you want to, you know, you want to put down some roots? You want to have the opportunity to build some equity because what is great about home ownership, and it has been for a lot of Canadians, is that it forces you to save money by making these payments on your mortgage, right? Like a lot of people won't save for themselves, but they always make their mortgage payment on time. Like that's very a very Canadian thing to do, you know? So there are opportunities to 
force yourself to save through paying down your debt on your home and building that equity. And then of course, the appreciation of, of that real estate. Now, depending on where you live, it's always a challenge to say, is now the right time to buy? I mean, interest rates have been the highest they've been in a very long time. And your, uh, the stress test for you to be able to qualify is significantly higher as well. So that's certainly pricing a lot of people out of the market. Now, we've seen some you know, um, cities decrease in sales and, and, and housing value. So, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily mean the neighborhood you want to be in has decreased. So that's a consideration. But Nancy, I really think it's always like, does this suit you and not chasing what the market's doing? But yeah, I mean, if you've got a great down payment saved, you have your finances in order and homeownership is for you, it, it could be a great time to buy, especially if we're going to continue to see inflation rise, um, you know, which theoretically housing prices could increase, but also because we're seeing increasing interest rates, it means less and less people being able to afford a home. So theoretically, it could mean price drops. It's a very complicated time right now. Uh, so you need to yeah. do your research and you need to figure out what's really best for you. Absolutely. And it's, that stress testing is so important. And I would even take it a step further to say stress test beyond what the actual stress test rules mm-hmm. are, right? We're seeing with rising interest rates now, people who stress tested five years ago, rates now are higher than what the stress t- tested yeah. amount is. Or also really look at your budget. So just because you're approved for the mortgage you're looking for, doesn't mean that's the mortgage that you should mm-hmm. get because maybe there's things in your budget that your bank hasn't considered in the approval, right? So not always getting the house to the maximum extent that you've been approved for is also a good consideration when you're looking to get into the housing market. Well, mm-hmm. Kelly, again, it's been great having you on the show and you've had some really great advice. So we have some time now for some final thoughts. What final thought would you like to leave our listeners with today? I, I think just that you can do it. You know, you can do it. Other people have done it. I know you may be in a situation where you just feel like there's no hope for you. Maybe you're retired. You're on a fixed income. You're drowning in debt. There's always a solution. There's always money to be had and made and found. But it's, you know, again, like I said before, no one is going to come knocking at your door to get you to do those things. So I hope um, that, you know, people reach out to you. I, I think, too, it's important that just because you reach out to a credit counselor or an insolvency trustee, it doesn't mean you have to go down that route. And you can do it anonymously. Uh, but why not take all the free information and get all the resources you can so you can make an informed decision about your finances and, and just know that you can do it and it, it can get better. Um, and, and I think it actually can actually be fun <laughs> and, and, and quite rewarding. And, and I just think my final words are like what you appreciate, appreciate. So if you haven't paid attention to your finances for a while, give them some love. And I think they'll give you some love back. That's some great advice. And, you know, I say all the time, knowledge is power. So having the information to make that informed decision, I would just say, you know, and I've said this uh, before as well, make sure that the company that you're reaching out to is a reputable nonprofit credit counseling agency or a licensed insolvency trustee. There's many companies out there right now charging big fees simply to refer you to a licensed insolvency trustee who you could have reached out to for free. So just be mindful of who you're contacting, making sure you're getting the right uh, right advice from someone reputable in the area. So again, Kelly, thanks so much for joining me. Um, if you, if, if people wanted to reach 
reach out to you, wanted more information on how they can improve their financial situation, maybe wanted to get a copy of the of your book, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. You can just go to kellykeen.com. However you spell it, Google will, will point you there. Um, Kelly Keen or Kelly Keen Biz on all my socials. And yeah, I have lots of great books. If you can't afford them, they're free at the library. So um, yeah, check, check out. I've got tons and tons of calculators and resources on my website. Thanks so much. And to our listeners out there, I always want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question or even a topic that you'd like me to talk about here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or please give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Snedden. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trust on your VOCM.